So that new creation, literally, there is a change. The identity of change is the second slide of change. And you were dead in your sin, but are now alive. Now, I don't know about you, but if I used to work in the operating room, and while I didn't have to go to the morgue that often, but sometimes if, if you've ever worked with medical people, especially who work in lab, morgue, different things, they have a, a kind of twisted sense of humor, just sometimes. But, you know, down there when you're dealing with dead bodies, you need some kind of levity. And um, um, I've seen different people who jump out of there or, you know, you cover the sheet and they wake up and scare people. And, uh, you know, if anyone come back to life in that sense, that would uh, definitely spook, scare people. Um, but we have not seen that change. But here it says there was a change. You were dead in your sins but are now alive. It's not a reformation of your past. It isn't like, okay, here's your past. We're going to fix you up and now you're okay. It's a, a transformation, a total change. And that's the difference because some people believe if I work at it, if I'm good enough, if I make these quote-unquote little change in my life, then I can be changed. But no, we can't do it on our own. It is a gift from God, and it comes through salvation. But you are a new creation, a transformed future. There's a change in both your position because now you're no longer enemies with God. But also your understanding, your cognitive processes. Because not only is it positional change, if you think about it, if you've ever dealt with a defiant individual or you know how they cross their arms and maybe turn away from you, it's like if you've ever had teenagers, you understand that, right? Maybe you were that teenager, but the defiant, no. Or maybe you're dealing with a younger kid. Go ahead, cross that line, and you're going to get it, you know? You know, right. They know the boundaries. But here, the change. There's a change in your position and then also in your understanding. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. But be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. The important part of the word of God, reading it and understanding biblical truth is that it, it transforms you. When you read the word of God, sometimes it convicts you and you realize Oh, guess what? Now, because of my position and now my understanding in my relationship to God, I'm not going to live that same way. There is a change transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me give you an example. There is um, there's an Amish family, and what happened is they it was Christmas time, and they were riding in their buggy, and the first time they'd been to New York City. Imagine that. A, um, their carriage, New York City, they're amazed. You know, they're looking at the tall buildings going around and the traffic. And hey, there are horses too, the policemen on, on horseback, but they're going through. How many have, have you ever been to New York City? Anyone here? Some of you good. Okay, they go to Rockefeller Center. Rockefeller Center, you know, they have the ice skating, the biggest Christmas tree. They're amazed by all this. They're going in, you know, a couple, older couple, and their son, and they're in there, and they're amazed, but also overwhelmed by everything going on. You know, the people, the lights, the dress. They get there. They need to stay somewhere. They go into a hotel right there, the Waldorf Astoria. They go in. They look at the lights. They look at how huge Atrium is. They're going in there. And all of a sudden, they walk over, and they see this magic. It, it's got a bell, and it's like a box. Doors open. And in goes this one individual, and uh, it's a middle-aged, overweight man in a business suit. He enters into this. these doors. They close. 
Moments later, out comes this young man, military, in a suit, and he walks out. They watch a little later again, and there's this one older woman, kind of cripples, she's carrying her packages, goes in, and out comes this college co-ed, just walking down, she's got NYU on her sweater. He's amazed. He says to his son, go get your, go get your mother. <laughs> Transformation, it doesn't occur that easy, but understand, in case you missed that, the elevator, but uh, just understanding if transformation that occurs and here the change we must be committed to making the necessary changes in our lives and it starts from the inside out we are a new creation and so our desire to live for Jesus must be reflected by our external habits our speech our music our entertainment our mind remembers the past failures and sins and our potential weaknesses however with the Bible and the power of his word and the power of the Holy Spirit, our identity must be toward Christ-likeness. And that's where our future, our change, identity of change, to be able to change. We are changed positionally and even renewing of the mind, but also there's a process that takes part from within. And that gift comes from God because the Holy Spirit enables us to make those changes that are necessary to become more Christ-like. Daily habits of Bible reading, devotions, prayer, Bible study, church service, attendance, fellowship. You know, most of the time, we wouldn't choose to do that. But the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, helps us to understand the, the importance of it, even in fellowship and being a part. And you, we are blessed by that. And change must take place. We are a new creation. And that's a good thing. Some of you think, well, I don't need that much change. You know, change is good. There's some people who change uh, very quickly, some who are a little more skeptical, some who are dragged by the nails with change. Some of you in this room, I know um, some individuals who've seen lots of change. I know an individual here in their 90s and, you know, 80s, you've seen lots of change, what you've lived through. You know, young people sometimes, their biggest change is, oh, we, we changed uh, Wi-Fi or we changed, you know, schools or we change this but change transformation there's a lot of things that take place in our lives and it's hard to deal with you know let me ask you this how many of you remember when the microwave came out okay see you know i know some who said i am not going to use the microwave i'm going to grandmother just cook on the gas stove because that's the best way to heat things up how many of you still are only using how many use the microwave you know, how many like the microwave? Well, you know, because the waves, yeah, you know, it's quick and easy. Some don't because of the microwave, microwaves, the lower frequency. But anyway, the whole point is that change. We have to deal with change. And so things that occur. But here, the gift of change, to be able to change spiritually, to become more Christ-like. We are a new creation. That means sometimes we don't want to change. We don't want to treat people any differently. They don't deserve it, Right? But with the power of God, we can, because we've seen forgiveness. We've seen what that does in our own life. As we look at another example, another gift or characteristic of the gift of identity, change in our identity, but also another C is completion. Completion. And we see back in verse 17 where it says, Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Now, the thing is, sometimes old things, it doesn't mean that, oh, they've worn out or 
They've changed. The things in the past have passed away and all things have become new. It doesn't mean that all the old things are bad and new things are good. What this occurs is that there is a completion of what was in the past that was dragging us down. And looking at this, as it says in verse 17, going through again, it says, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new now. And it goes through and talks about what some of those are. But the idea here is completion. Your old life and all that's associated with is over, is done. It has no necessarily, it does not have the effect upon your future. And here, as we remember the words of Christ on the cross, he said, to tell us die. Literally, it is finished. What often happens in our spiritual lives is there's those who are still working on their salvation. And there's a verse that talks about, it says, work out your own salvation. It's not that we have to work in order to be saved, but just understand in our sanctification, in the process of becoming more Christ-like, you don't just stay the same. You are moving forward in that path and journey. Literally, what it means is the old set of conditions or relationships have been removed. Your identity is no longer defined by your past. And that is a wonderful thing. Let me just repeat that. Your old set of conditions or relationships have been removed. Your identity is no longer defined by your past. Because before I came to Christ, I was a sinner. Before I came to Christ, I was far away from God. And literally, the Word of God says that now you are brought close, near to God. We're no longer enemies with God. It's kind of like having a reset button. Maybe you've seen the Home Depot, or in there, the, like the, um, I forget what store it is, but you hit the button that says the easy button. What is it? Staples, the easy button, right. Well, here, it's like having a reset button. Okay, and all of a sudden, conditions, guess what? Everything's been fixed. Wouldn't that be nice in life to have, oh, you know what? I need a, a clean the dishes button. I need a, you know, back in the house, I need a clean button. Wouldn't that be great? You know? We'd wear it out, right? But what happens is, while we may still face consequences from the past, we have the power to overcome them. And true forgiveness from Jesus Christ places you in a correct relationship with God. You're in the right standing. It says, he is your defense lawyer, and he protects you from the claims of Satan. Because Satan, as we think about it, accuse, he's the accuser. Look what so-and-so did in the past. And he brings up those sins or those actions in the past. But yet because of what Jesus Christ has done. The Bible aids in our understanding of Christ that he has the power to remove the strongholds of sin that held us in the past. And we must set our affections on things that are above Remove the old attitude, the, the old sinful nature, if you will. And we must understand that our past, literally the actions of our past and the, and the consequences of our past are finished. They have no power on our future. And also, we can't go back. Because the power of the mind, that's the thing. We're always reminded of things we've done in the past. But the strength and the power of the word of God is, guess what? You have a new future. There is completion. You may have been that before, but guess what? You're not defined by that before. Maybe you were the kid when you were little, you know, and you have big ears or nose or body things, and everyone makes fun of, you know, your external because that's what kids do. And, you know, they say sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Boy, wasn't that a lie? 
you know, understanding how powerful that is. But guess what? Your past is not defined. Your identity is now in Christ. And guess what? Because of that, God has given us a completion of that. And while there may be some who, who will still try to refer to you as that, or maybe you were shorty, or maybe you were this or that, or maybe you were, I don't know, stinky, you name it, some of the names that people are. But guess what? You are not defined by that anymore. You may still look like that. You may still um, have to deal with that. But guess what? You're not defined by that. Christ sees you as a new creation. Christ sees you as the change taking place. Christ sees you as a believer, as a child of God. That could have been another one, but I didn't do that. See, a child. Really. And you are. We cannot go back. Because sometimes we think, oh, you know, I have to go back and change. Forgiveness comes through Jesus Christ. We cannot be young again. And I think about for Christmas, the, the wife who said, you know what, to her husband, I want something silver and goes zero to 200 in under five seconds under the tree. And then at Christmas time, her husband gave her a scale and visiting hours are posted. <laughs> anyway, visiting hours are posted, but uh, I wouldn't recommend that. Or the man who there's a man who took his wife um, to Disneyland and rode every coaster and bought every treat. You know, they, they went through and did all of, a, of that and spent the weekend just being kids. And then when they got back home, said, you know, hey, happy birthday. Did you enjoy being eight again? And she said, I meant my dress size. But my whole point is you can't go to the past. You can't go back. There's those who wish that they could have done something different. But what my point is that... And I apologize for the humor, but the whole point is that you can't go back. It is completed. You can't change what occurred in the past. However, as we move forward, we look forward and understand that it lies in the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to live differently. And while, like I said, there's maybe consequences for our sinful actions, now we are in Christ. And so the completion, finished. All things, the Bible says, all things have become new. And that is a wonderful thing, is that all things have become new. They have passed away, they're finished, and now all things have become new. And as you think about new, new sometimes scares us. When you move to a new place, maybe when you get something new, you look at it, figure it out. Technology new. Uh, it's, if you have a smartphone, sometimes it's like, if, when you got a, a smartphone, how many of you have a smartphone? Okay, the first time you got that, it's like, okay, what do I do? It's new. Oh, it's talking. About how do I turn it off? How do I make it stop calling? There's certain things that you are aware of. Or maybe you move to a new place and you got to figure out where, um, where things are at. So there's some fear in that, but to understand there's also benefits in that. And that's where, as we move forward and look forward, you can't just keep going, oh, I wish. Because as we get older, sometimes it's, oh, I wish we had this again, or I wish we lived here, or I wish I went to this school, or I wish I worked there, or I wish I had that. Don't live in the past. Understand in Christ that he has given you a new future, and all things have become new. Galatians. Hold your spot and go to Galatians 2, 19 and 20. If you want, just go ahead a little bit in Galatians 2, 19 and 20. 2 Corinthians, it just should be a few pages. Galatians 2, 19 and 20, and it's just going to be 19b, maybe familiar to you. Literally, it is, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, 
but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh of the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All things are new, but guess what? We have the opportunity, we have the privilege of seeing what is new. Christ lives in me. Next thing we go is, if you're following along, is celestial confidence. I know that's a word, the alliteration, the two C's. But celestial confidence. It says, now all things are of God. Verse 18. Now all things are of God. And understanding is no longer a stranger or enemy burdened with sin and regret, but we are a new adopted son or daughter that has privileges and rights as a child of God. We have access to forgiveness and peace. You know, I talked about that new set of conditions. First of all, we're sealed as a child of God. And our vision should be celestial. If you know Pilgrim's Progress, the celestial kingdom. But really, we, our viewpoint, our perspective should be heavenward. That's what I mean by celestial, is thinking about heaven and thinking about eternal impact. And when it is that perspective, we make it a priority, we must remember that our identity includes our future home in heaven. You know, we could get very frustrated, very marred, if you will, if we think about just life on earth. We would get discouraged if that's all there was. Oh, great, you know, I have to deal with the neighbor's tree or things fall in our yard or I have to deal with these people or this or that, you know, it would be very frustrating. But we have a future home in heaven, something to look forward to. And that future home in heaven and the future, it affects how we live today. Understanding that we are bought with a price and we must live in light of eternity. So as we move forward, our life impact. You know, what legacy are you leaving? Do people see that you are a child of God? Do they know you're a Christian? Or is your identity, some believers, they say they're in, you know, there's this one guy who was working and he'd worked at the same place for 40 years and they had a, a celebration and um, going away, he goes, you know, one thing I wanted to share is that I'm a Christian as he was leaving. He, and they go, oh, you were a Christian? I never knew that by how you lived. And he goes, well, I was in the secret service. <laughs> well, our prayer is that, you know, people recognize that you don't have to be in their face but understanding that by your actions, your love, your response is Christ-like. And your identity is reflected by that. And so your celestial confidence is that you are trusting in what is to come. Your future is affected. Um, your actions, your faith is represented by your actions, that you do have a celestial confidence. And our lives should be highlighted by our love for Heavenly spiritual things. Our motive should be to honor God, our Heavenly Father, as stewards who have been given a reason to live. And you think, boy, is this all there is to life? But you have a reason. No matter how dull, how exciting you think your life is, you are here with a purpose. And there are people you may influence or affect, or maybe there are people who are sent to minister to you. We talked about ministering angels. And those who look down on the Savior. But understand that there is a purpose to your life. If you look at verse 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. In Philippians 3.20, says that our citizenship is in heaven. 
And so that carries in to the next C is that our calling. We are ambassadors. And that is the calling as we think about it as a believer in Christ. You are called to Christ, come to Christ. But also, what do you do with your life? Understanding your purpose, your reason for existence, your identity is defined by Christ and all that is spiritual, if you will. When you live for him, there is joy. There is satisfaction. I remember the, the military or afford just to be a job done right. There are certain slogans, statements that try to emphasize. You know, we do quality as job one. And here, as a believer, in your calling to understand that there is joy and fulfillment in living for Christ. A lot of people sometimes, what occurs is, you know, you, you wouldn't tell, know that they're a Christian by, by their face, by their disposition. And I'm not saying you have to be happy all the time because we're emotional people. But we must express and understand there is joy in following after Christ at Christmas time. To understand, you know what? We get busy. We get worn out. We get stressed. Don't give in to all that. Understand, be simple. But hope, peace, joy, love. God brought this in the person working Jesus Christ. And if we don't reflect upon that, we've missed our calling. The ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? In verse 18 through 20, it says, Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Do you see how many times reconciliation is in there? Think it's emphasized? Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. One thing, if you're a, a child of God, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are an ambassador. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you, even today, to simply confess, ask forgiveness for your sins, and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and place your faith and trust in him. And what happens is that transfer of trust can be through a prayer, through words. We understand that your faith is in an object worthy of your trust, of your trust, salvation for eternity. Trusting in what he has done. And in your calling, the ministry of reconciliation is through your life, through your words, and sharing with others, helping them come to Christ. See, as Christians... We testify, we share, we pass out tracts, we help other people come to Christ, but we can't save anyone. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. But God uses each one of us in different ways to impact others, and we must communicate of what Christ has done. The reconciliation, the calling here is we have a purpose here on earth to share Jesus Christ and live for him. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, because I would be with him. But we will still have faith if we lose our... The question is, will we still have faith if we lose all our material possessions for the sake of Christ? Will we be angry with God if he takes our children either in life as missionaries or maybe to heaven? Will we lose our perspective if, if others mistreat us or insult us and embarrass us for being a Christian? Because there's many who have in the past lost their way. I don't know if the basis of their of their faith was wrong. They didn't understand. 
they didn't lose their salvation. But what has occurred is they've definitely, as the Bible uses it, fallen away or, or literally gone away from the faith, whether they were like the seed that was planted on stony ground, what occurred, they never had the faith, or what? But the emphasis here is that upon your calling, the ministry of reconciliation. And in that is you are no longer enemies with God. Our job isn't to bring peace to the world. Peace, peace. We cry out for peace. There'll never be peace in the Middle East. Sometimes there's never peace in our own homes. But what can occur is because of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we can have peace with God. We are no longer enemies. Our eternal security, understanding that there is our eternal destiny is secure. But now comes in our calling is the peace with God is to understand that as we interact with others, to share Christ. And our circumstances must not define us. As we talked, remember at the beginning, our identity. Sometimes people allow their identity to define them in their circumstances. Oh, you know what? I'm poor. I'll always be poor. Or, you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm always going to be here. And maybe he, we could say, you know, oh, Ohio State, or Eddie's not here. He's, he's moving in, but he's a big Ohio State fan or Michigan fan. You know, you think, oh, that defines you. But guess what? You still can exist without being identified of that. But sometimes as you think about Phoenix and the area, there are many transplants. And our sports teams or where we grew up defines us. We say, and we, we, we play into that. But to understand that our calling as believers in Christ, you know, our circumstances, when things occur to us, um, when events occur in our lives and we're at our wit's end, when we're struggling, maybe financially or dealing with issues with health, don't let your circumstances define you in that in Christ because of your calling, he is still present and active and working in your life. We're called to the ministry of reconciliation through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And what that means is that when we sin, and we will sin, those sins are not charged to our account. He has forgiven those sins. We are to confess those sins, come back into a right relationship with God. And God's righteousness is imputed to our account. What it means, charged to our account. Let me ask you this. If you're current, how many have ever heard of Zelle or Cash Pay? Ah, so a few of you have. What that is, is it's an app where you can just pay someone off your phone. You think, I would never use that. I don't trust it. But the whole point is that, guess what? Once you do that, it goes from, the money goes from your account and it goes to their account and it's not going back. It's gone. So you might trust it, you might not. But it's the same way in that in our lives, as sinful and as, as we are humanly, God's righteousness is charged in our account and placed in our account because of the work of Jesus Christ. And what that means is the righteousness, the standing before God, the future, that we will have the gift of eternal life. That is wonderful. Hold your spot if you want and go to second. If you Well, actually, it's on this page. I'm sorry. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, it says, And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. And then in verse 21, it says, For he made him, 
Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. And that is incredible as well. How did that occur? Who was sinless, but we might become the righteousness of God in him. Because of what Jesus Christ has done. Reconciling individuals. There is no one who is too sinful. There is no one who is too bad that they can't come to Christ. And let me just continue to express that this morning. Whatever you have done in the past, it can be forgiven. The hard part is that we don't forget it. But as far as the east is from the west, it does not prevent you from the righteousness of Christ and as a calling. And we must understand that as well because when we share Christ with others, sometimes we think, oh, that person, boy, are they sinful. You know, they drive 90 on the highway and they cut people off. They're not getting to heaven. They cut me off, you know. We think, no way. But guess what? It's not based upon our actions or their actions, but the righteousness of Christ. And just in closing, as we think about Christmas, we think about Christmas. We celebrate Christmas because of God's gift to the world through Jesus Christ. And one of the wonderful things I appreciate, the decorations they've done and uh, just around the lights, but the manger scene. And as we look at the babe, a child, the helplessness, understanding, but coming to the earth in humility, humbly born of a virgin, the person and work of Jesus Christ gives us new identity. Jesus Christ, he came to live, to die, and to raise again, to give us eternal life. And that is the blessing because in Jesus Christ we have a new identity. And this Christmas season, we must understand that our true purpose for living is to live for Jesus Christ and not ourselves. Shall we pray?